Radio. Hello, everybody. Time for another Code Pen Radio. It's 364 if you're keeping count. Uh, um, I have an incredible creative technologist on here, and we're going to get into what his work is like and even some NFT stuff, believe it or not. Finally, I got somebody to talk to about all this stuff because it's just so interesting. Somebody that's perhaps even past the point of dabbling a little bit, although we'll see if you agree with it. Uh, Varun Vachar, how how did I do? Fix me on the pronunciation. I should have asked you before the show started. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, not not bad. Uh, I go by Varun Vachar. Well, thanks so much for coming on. You, uh, you did. Uh, I ask. I've been asking this of, of guests of the show. Is like send me some some of work that that you've done that that you just think is interesting and and have something to say about, which gives us a nice framework for the show. And you generously did that. And so there's all kinds of interesting work. You know, I've seen a lot of this work just because you know you're around the community and and are public about what you do and use it as a vehicle for teaching other people stuff, which I, you know, hats off to you. I think that's awesome when artists um, take that next step and, and teach it as well as do it. And your, and your work is so, not only are you prolific, but there's the style of work um, really changes. It looks like you're constantly exploring. It looks like your work, but it also, it's not like, you know, it's not like everything is just a variation on one single theme. There's stuff that looks vectory. There's stuff that looks gradienty and not at all vectory. There's 3D stuff and 2D stuff and well, all, all kinds of stuff. And we'll, and your the work that you sent me is a nice cross section of that. So I can't wait to get to it. And then, you know, I'll stop talking in a minute. I promise. <laughs> the, <laughs> there's a lot of artists on on CodePen, and, and when I get a chance to talk to them, I'm curious. Like, is there a bone in your body that wants to like grab some of that art? Because there's generative art as a whole, you know, subsect of the NFT world that wants to do that. And the answer is almost invariably like a, I'm keeping my eye on it. It looks interesting. There's new technology there, but have done nothing with it. So, uh, but you have, and I even own one of your NFTs. So I like know a little bit and you know a lot more. So I thought we could get into that in this episode. So I talked a whole lot. Thanks for being on. What's, what's your, can you tell me about you in your own words a little bit? Uh, yeah, certainly. So uh, I, for my for my day job, I actually am part of the the DX team over at Chromatic. So uh, contributing a little bit to to Storybook and uh, writing a lot about sort of how teams can use Storybook. Uh, but the the way I sort of got into programming was through generative art. Actually, uh, I went to design school, and uh, one of the courses I took uh, taught me processing, and that's how I learned programming. And uh, it's it's just been a thing that I've always oh, been processing into. like the. It's like yeah, a, like the Java like one back in the day. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Wow, so you actually you went to school for the thing that you do now. That's another rarity. <laughs> That's cool. Where'd you go to school? Yeah, it's 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 kind of weird. I started off in uh, in mechanical engineering, and then I went back to school for for design, and then came out a programmer, which was which is kind of weird. So, uh, but it you know, is a little. Know, it works out. I'm glad there's at least some twist to it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, not like that. I went to school for accounting and became an accountant. That's no good. Can't have that story. Uh, okay, so you're at Chromatic, which is kind of like uh, 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 is Chromatic straight up behind Storybook. 
I see at the top, it's like join the team behind Storybook. Yeah, I, I would say a lot of uh, a lot of folks at Chromatic are part of the Storybook core team uh, and, and definitely support it. But uh, Chromatic is sort of another uh, layer of testing that's built on on top of Storybook. So it's a, it's a it's a primarily a visual regression tool, a re- visual regression testing tool uh, that uses Storybook as the as a sort of mechanism and has a proper business model, right? On, Storybook is the is open source, whereas Chromatic has some paid exactly. Plans, Chromatic is a paid service, right? Yeah. yeah. Right, cool. Just like CodeBen has free accounts and paid accounts. Exactly, yeah. That's great. I'd love to just get into some of your work, though. I mean, uh, uh, just because we have such limited time on this show, we'd like to keep it around half an hour, and there's so much awesome work to talk about. One of them that you sent me was this one that I'd seen before called Infinite Pipes that looks to me vectory, looks like SVG. I'm, I don't know if it is or not, but it, it definitely has those like crisp edges and... And, and generative. Would you say most or all of your work is generative? Uh, I, I would say it's it's a mix. I definitely uh, tend to do a lot of sort of web-based stuff. So sometimes it's just like straight up animation. And uh, CodePen was like a big influence on that, just following, uh, you know, people like Sarah Drasner, Rachel Smith, Chris Gatton. Uh, so I definitely picked up a lot of straight up animation techniques, but uh, often I'll end up sort of mixing them with a little bit, little bit of generative art, and I try to do more generative, but uh, sometimes it's just hard to come up with a, a cool system. <laughs> Interesting. It seems like they just flow out of you. Yeah, tell me about the pipes, though. They they see, they're like they're they look maze like, you know. Yeah, totally. So so in this case, it's not SVG, although I do use SVG quite a bit. In this case, it's uh, Canvas. So I, I love using uh, this tool called Canvas Sketch, which is mostly it's just you're using vanilla Canvas APIs to actually create the image, uh, but it gives you sort of the, the the draw loop around it, some utilities for exporting out videos and, and things like that. Uh, but the actual oh nice the, sort of the rendering mechanism is just straight up Canvas. So that's that's what I used here, um, and yeah, it is somewhat maze like. It's 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 a fairly straightforward system, I would say. So it's essentially each each little pipe you see there is just uh, making turns on a grid. So you take a step forward, then maybe you turn left, turn right, and, and so on. Uh, and then it's just sort of oscillating back and forth in its path. And then there's just multiple layers to the pipe. There's like a an outer, uh, a middle, and an inner. And as you move around, uh, they sort of go back and forth. And it, it makes for a pretty pretty cool effect, I would say. It does, yeah. That that The fact that there's like the little innie and the outie brings a lot of flavor to this, you know, rather than it just being like a solid worm or whatever. It's really cool. I'm attracted to this one because it, it has that feel like if I if I had all week, I could maybe do this, you know, and I like it when art has that, like maybe, maybe, maybe I could. So I'm sure there's like a random number of pipes and the colors are randomized and the background is randomized and certainly how they turn and twist is randomized. How long they are is randomized. Is randomized the right word? Yeah, randomized is a is a really great great way to describe it. I would say so. Yeah, every time that that's kind of the idea of a generative art. You you create a system, and every time you uh, restart it, you you pick a bunch of random numbers uh, to feed into the system, and then the, the recipe is the same, but sort of the number of pipes, the color palette, and uh, their their sizing that might change over that's time. That's great. So as the artist, you're the you're the cook. You're the recipe maker. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. And you can make generative art for any reason, right? It's pretty fun. There's lots of generative art on CodePen where you just land on the pen and it's kind of different every time you see it because they literally use math.random in client-side JavaScript, which is fun. Sometimes you see it with controls that you can control yourself. So rather than it be 
outside influence. It could be your influence. You know, you pick the color. You pick how many stuff you want there to be. So so that's kind of a, a neat way to approach it. It just so happens that this concept of generative art lends itself pretty well to at least one, I guess, as you put it, like a subsect of of NFT land. There's a good amount of NFTs that are generative by nature, right? That you set up a recipe, even perhaps having some of the elements of the recipe be more rare than others. Mm-hmm. And and then mint them, but and then so it's kind of like math dot random. But as far as I looked into it, they almost like give you a replacement method for math dot random. It's like use this instead, so that it's not entirely random. It's random based on a URL parameter, such that it's repeatably random. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, with random generators, there's this concept of a seed. So if you if you set the the random uh, seed to a particular value. Even if you refresh the browser, it's going to pick the same random numbers over and over again. Uh, so you can sort of like tie the the randomness down to a particular version, and that's exactly the mechanism that a lot of these platforms use. So when you when you mint an NFT, it generates a unique transaction ID, and that transaction ID is what's fed into the random generator as the seed. Uh, so when when it generates a version of the the piece. It's tied to that that particular transaction ID, so you can you can sort of go back to it, and that's the version that you purchased. Yeah, which makes sense, right? It would be a little weird to purchase a piece of art and like refresh the browser window, and it's a different piece of art than the one that you purchased, right? That would be like exactly, not ideal. Yeah. You want to buy the one that's like that, uh, because in the case of these generative arts, not it's not you know people joke that it's a JPEG that you're buying. Well, it's not a JPEG in this case because it's you know, but in some it's cases it's an actual it's a, website. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like the DOM in a way, uh, or a movie in some cases, right? I mean, I guess it depends on how you mint them and why. That's that's where my understanding starts to fall apart a little bit. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, when I when I first started, uh, it started off with people sharing images and, and videos and things like that. And uh, the, the cool thing is the the generative community sort of focused on uh, a, a more open source platform and they could actually go in and make tweaks to the platform because it was just up on GitHub. So very quickly they added support for SVGs and people started creating, uh, you know, using SAML to animate SVGs and then eventually just got to the point, why don't we just let people update a, a zip file that's a website? And that that kind of like unlocked a whole bunch of new new possibilities for sure. That's not and, and what's in that zip file can be like HTML and CSS and stuff, right? Yeah, it's ki- kind of like when you upload something to Netlify. If you have a sort of a static site, anything you put in that it, it can't make any calls outside of the what's in the folder, so it oh. can't make an API request. But but anything inside that could be images, could be uh, JavaScript files, whatever you want. Wow, yeah, these little immutable chunks of. Isolation. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So I'm for, you. You have links here to uh, the the NFT marketplace thing called fxhash.xyz. Um, that's the one I'm familiar with, mostly because you know Marie on our team who has researched this to some degree um, and kind of helped me level up on it was like, this is the one where there's lots of code pen people showing up. Because I think they have a, I, yeah. I, I don't know what is attractive about it. A couple of things, I think. For one thing, it's based on Tezos, right? Did I say that right? Which is like a crypto coin that's not Bitcoin or Ethereum. It's totally different and has 
is less ecologically damaging as i understand it and better in some other ways yeah absolutely that's that was that was that was a crucial piece for me too i think um most of the nfts when you when sort of people talk about it they're referring to stuff that is backed by ethereum which takes up a lot of energy to to have every single transaction that you want to execute i personally I'm not a favor, not in favor of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So very quickly, I discovered that there's this other cryptocurrency called Tezos, which is uh, much more energy efficient, and it's kind of like the equivalent of tweeting something would be the same amount of energy that's required to to mint an NFT. Uh, so I, I personally prefer to go towards things that are Tezos based, and then FX Hash is one of those platforms. And uh, unlike some of the other platforms, it was also an open platform by default. So uh, there's art blocks in the Ethereum community that does something similar, but you kind of have to go through an application process to to get your artwork on there and allow folks to buy it. Uh, FX Hash, on the other hand, was open from the beginning, so so anyone could go in and create uh, a piece of generated work and start start sharing their work. And I think that that really attracted more of the web community and. Uh, Plus, being being on Tezos and being a bit more uh, energy conscious, I would say uh, that that's also in favor for sure. Yeah, that's funny. It reminds me of the like how CodePen's always been open and anybody can sign up and use it, but Dribble wasn't in the early days. I'm sure you remember. You know, you had to yep, yep, get somebody totally. to to draft you or whatever on it. So there's some similarity there, I suppose. It does. There are you know some of it is is worrisome. We don't have to get into all that, but th- there is a. I've seen it before. I can't find the link to it just yet, but a kind of a like what's being newly minted on FX hash thing and what and what are potentially problematic ones because I think that's perhaps how Marie found it is that Mm -hmm. people just troll around code pen, they find a nice pen, they do the work that it takes to make it, uh, you know, generative in the FX hash kind of way and mint it without the permission of, of whoever did it, which is kind of a bummer, you know. I'm sure it's happened to you, right? People steal your crap. And- uh, it actually, yeah, it did happen to me one time. Uh, but what I would say is they've they've had a pretty strong sort of moderation um, mechanism in place right from the beginning. So so people can report uh, copy minting or if, if you're using someone else's code um, and things get flagged right away. And uh, uh, there's even sort of uh, a warning mechanism now. So if, if a new piece of work goes up, uh, when you try to mint it for the first couple of hours, uh, you have to go through like and manually say yes, I'm I'm wor- taking the risk because it's not been moderated yet. Uh, so there there are sort of like mechanisms in place now for the buyer. Yeah, I guess my own personal way of handling it was like like I know you and you posted a link that says this is my thing. I'll follow that link and buy it, and that's my proof that. It's you, not somebody faking to be you, you know, like almost put the responsibility on myself. It seems a little weird that you just go to a marketplace like this and just scroll up and down, have no idea who you're buying from and just buy it and then be mad that it was stolen. It's like you just you're just clicking stuff. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can you can also sort of verify your profiles. It's similar similar idea to Twitter where you get a little check mark saying that, yeah, this is this is the person you think they are. Yeah, it was a lot to get. I mean, just to let, why don't we move on a little bit to because there's some other art to to talk about, and we'll and we'll keep sprinkling in this conversation as it's as it's interesting. 
This episode of Code Pen Radio is brought to you in part by Linode. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com. Visit linode.com slash CodePen and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. Award-winning support offered 24-7, 365 to every level of user. Ease of use, ease of setup. It's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Linode offers the industry's best priced performance value for all compute instances, including shared, dedicated, high memory, GPUs. Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible, allowing you to focus on your customers, not your infrastructure. Visit linode.com slash codepen and create a free account, and you'll get 100 bucks in credit. Thanks for the support, Linode. There's this one uh, Z, I guess, Z-H-I, that, uh, that it looks like you probably had NFTs in mind from the beginning with it and it, it's like animated i guess it, it reminds me of what do they call that nature pattern where it uh the the golden circle or something i don't know if that's related here but it's squares that get smaller and smaller and smaller and and kind of animate from squares to rounded and you know clearly generative like all this work is yeah yeah in this case i, I did have uh nfts in mind so one of the the tricky things about doing something like fx hash is um Every transaction is just like totally random and whatever comes out has to look good. So quite often with generative art, that's not the case. Uh, like people will share specific specific iterations where the random numbers picked good values and the thing looks good. Uh, but it, if you make something where it can generate a whole bunch of variations and it's totally out of your control, it needs to look good in most cases. And uh, that's something that did come out of sort of generative artists uh, creating NFTs and uh, it's now termed long form generative art where regardless of the iteration it generally has a good sort of output and this was sort of my first attempt at that where and that's why you'll notice that it, there's not a lot of variation to it but but it's still per- yeah it's purples and oranges and pinks and stuff you didn't go full on random I mean I have enough experience with web design to know that there's like JavaScript functions you can use to, to example create a totally random color well if you do that ten times the chances of those colors looking good together is like almost nothing right so that would be a very ugly NFT that nobody would would like to to own I'm sure yeah yeah so I so I ended up using like a, a color generating algorithm where I could tweak the sort of variables in for the algorithm and could, could introduce some randomness there. But the idea is that it generates a palette that kind of goes well together. Uh, so that that's the kind of stuff that you start thinking about then is how do I how do I create a system that is going to produce consistently interesting output? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And in this case, so that uh, you'd think then that the marketplace, because these are all pretty similar, the the value of them is all going to be pretty similar too, right? Like you could have coded it such that there's a 1% chance that a bottle of Plotchman's mustard appears right in the middle of this thing. And you mint a hundred of them. One of them's going to have the mustard bottle and the mustard bottle one, man, that one, <laughs> it's going to be worth five times what the rest of them is worth. Are you interested in that game <laughs> it seems like a game uh so so the way it works right now especially on on fx hash you you set a price and when someone mints it that's that's all they're paying they, they can't pay more or less um however oh, interesting uh, once once it's minted then you sort of get 
you can sort of code in what are the features of this piece. And based on those features, it will tell you whether something is rare or common. And if it's rare, then you could value it higher. And then that's the where the resale price market. gets higher. Yeah, the secondary. Exactly. Okay, okay. Exactly. Yeah, that's where the, the secondary market comes in. And uh, you do set royalties on 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 everything. So if something is unique and ends up being really popular, it might sell for more about more money than other versions of it. Uh, so you just get sort of a higher royalty rate based on that. Oh, right, right. Because and and that's yeah. I, I I wonder if something was hotly traded. And you put your royalties at 25% or something, which seems high, but you can probably code in whatever you want, right? Yeah, I think there's there's a limit to it. Yeah, but like 25 might be the highest limit, I'd, I'd say. Okay. That hot, you probably make more on through the trading than you did in the initial minting. I mean, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure if that's working out for everybody, but. Yeah, I, I would say a lot of the the artists that I've been following, especially the ones who've who do this professionally, uh, they, they tend to experience that a lot where the, the initial sort of purchase will be a fairly low value, but the, the secondary market tends to be like a hundred or even like a thousand times what the, the initial purchase that are paid. A thousand times? Woo! All right. Because I'm already looking at the minting processes like there's already money there. For example, one of these ZHI ones is available. Some, you know, somebody bought it. I, I don't recognize the name. They have no avatar. But they put it on the secondary market for 10 Tez. I don't have no idea what they originally paid for. That's probably more knowing that they're not going to get all 10 of these Tez. Some of it's going to go to you, right? So if they're selling it, I assume, presumably they want to make money on it and they've priced it higher than they originally paid for it. Let's say, but let's say they originally did pay 10 Tez. Right now, Tez is like four bucks or something. It's just 40 bucks. And let's say you made 100 of these. That's, you know. That's money right there. I don't know. It just seems the original minting is is not nothing. And it looks like when you release one, probably because you're n- known as an artist, you sell every one that you mint, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's a mix. I would say, uh, uh, like in some cases, I, I was like playing around with how many how many versions you can sell. Actually, so you can set you can set a set a number ahead of time, uh, and then then a price based on that. Is there a min and a max there too? Like between 10 and 200 or something like that. I don't know if there's a max, but I guess you at least have to do one. Um, and then even for a price, you can have you can you can sell for free. That's not a problem for sure. Um, but it comes down to sort of market dynamics, right? Where I might have too many versions at too high a price. And then I later realized that actually, yeah, I, I, I put out too many, so I need to maybe uh, burn some of them, which means cut the limit to a, a lower value. And then, uh, so, so that's what you'll see in some cases. It did sell out, but I just sort of cut the limit at a at a lower value. Oh, so you do have some control even after the original minting. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Is it? Is it? Is it like? Is it like quit your job, Tom? I mean, I'm sure you can't say on this podcast, but is it like? Is the money that good? <laughs> uh, no, not not. I, I know for for other folks for sure. Um, I have certainly seen uh, seen se- several artists do that. Uh, for me personally, it's it's more of a. Uh, an experiment that I sort of dabbled in uh, late, late last year. Haven't really gotten back into it again since then. Uh, but yeah, not not something that it, I would want to turn into a full-time job for sure. I'm curious how much they help you too on, I, I, maybe you've sold with other ones, but I'm thinking specifically of FX Hash. If you, if you say, oh, I want to make 10% off resales of this thing, you don't have to hand, do you have to hand code that yourself into a contract or they, is that what they kind of help you do? Yeah, that's that's what they they do. That's what the, the platform is. So the the actual if you, if you sort of like take the tech uh, stack anal- analogy, Tezos is kind of like the, the 
database where the transactions live and what the contract is and all of that information lives. And then FX hash is kind of like the backend that is the API that you're hitting to, to update the, da- the database. Um, so, so FX hash will help you create, feed in the variables into the contract. So how many, how many versions do you want to allow people to mint? What's the price? What's the, what's the royalty and all, all that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. Jumping ahead to one that's, that just happens to also live on CodePen. There's a, Metaballs example. It looks like this kind of target shape, and you can there's some interactivity in that you can grab it and drag it around and uh, and things like that. Tell me about this one. Yeah, uh, this was a pretty interesting. Uh, so I, I would say a lot of my sort of generative work comes from trying to learn a new technique, and in this case, uh, the technique was was Metaballs, which is a fairly established sort of uh, like shader or 3D graphics technique, but I found a version of it where uh, someone had ported it to uh, an SVG-based algorithm, essentially. Uh, So you could generate it using SVG paths, which sounds kind of crazy, but essentially it's like two two circles, and then there's a connector that joins in between them. Yeah, if they get close enough, they kind of morph together. And I've seen this done with blurring and stuff, but this is not that, right? You're actually calculating the exact... The, the exact path. paths that exactly and and the whole thing is rendered using SVG and then yeah there's interactivity where you can sort of like click and drag it and try to to break it apart and things like that and it was it's one of those algorithms where I don't really know what's happening under the hood uh kind maybe a little <laughs> bit but but just like know enough JavaScript to 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 write some code to to get it to render in the browser and and it's fun to play with yeah it really is. It's that really satisfying, like watching a, it's almost like watching a cell give birth or something, you know, splitting off a chunk of itself and bleh. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Very, very satisfying. And this is sort of like a good example of where I, I like to sort of break down the sort of the mechanics of what's happening under the under the hood. So uh, that that's what I did. So sort of I wrote a blog post that talks about sort of all the techniques that went into uh, creating this. And then uh, something I picked up on CodePen, I was uh, uh, David uh, Krishith is his name, but I think his oh, yeah. handle is David K. Piano. Uh, mm-hmm. He he sort of started sh- sort of a new way of animating using observables, and that was pretty cool. And I got to sort of combine that with the, the SVG technique, and that's how the whole thing is animated. That's just based on on, on the observable library, and, and I guess CSS variables under the hood too. Yeah, they do that on the shout out keyframers, which is Stephen Shaw, who works for us at CodePen, and David K. Do that to like a, a Twitch show animating, and they use that technique quite a bit. Another one here is Walkers, which is interesting because you, I think you you brought this to. Um, you watched a show with Alex Trost and you from Front End Horse, self-avoiding random walkers. It looks like that's related here to the to these walker NFTs that you made, right? Yeah, totally. So I on on the Front End Horse stream, I covered sort of the, the basic uh, technique behind this, which is uh, like you said, self-avoiding random walkers. So it's uh, uh, kind of like the the snake game from the old Nokia phones. But imagine that there is hundreds of snakes on the screen at the same time, and they can't touch each other. Uh, so you, you you create that sort of like snaky pattern, but each of them is also avoiding the other snake, and that's what you use to sort of right. And it fills every you know quote unquote pixel of the screen. It like completely fills the area, which is feels like magic, you know. And then you've added 
above and beyond that, the snakes somehow know when to stop and turn around and such when they're a certain color such that you zoom out far enough and it, um, it makes like shapes. So the snakes like filled in a circle area with one kind of colors of snakes and, you know, that are red. And then there's smaller circles that are green and they fill in a kind of shape. This to me really, <laughs> really blows my mind. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, that's the, that's the cool thing about generative art. You, you learn a technique and then, then you can start like layering on things onto it to, to create more interesting images. So, uh, that's exactly what happened here where, uh, I combined two, two techniques. So one circle packing where you draw a bunch of circles that don't touch each other, but try to fill up as much space as possible. And then I drop in these snakes into each circle. So they're not just avoiding each other, but they're also sort of constrained to stay within the circle. And that's how you're going to get the effect. And then once all the circles are filled in, then I drop in a bunch that just fill up all of the empty space in between the circles. And that's how it fills up the entire entire canvas. So cool. So cool. Look, at I could own number one right now, the Big Bane number one for the low, low price of 10 Tez. Um, so if I was going to do that right now, just for the, for the interest of our, our listening audience right here, I have to have some Tez to do that. So I have to find somewhere to buy them. And I need to put that Tez in a wallet, which to me is very weird that those are different things. Like when I buy it, isn't it automatically in a wallet? And it's like, nope, <laughs> somehow it's not. So for me, I just thought, I just kind of did what it seems like the biggest players are. And I use Coinbase to have an app to, to have a, cause that's, I know you can buy crypto on Coinbase. So I have a Coinbase account. I buy, I buy some Tez for, for money, right? Like they take PayPal. Mm-hmm. So yep. Yep. I get some Tezza. But I think maybe they're going to have a wallet someday or something, but don't now, or at least it's limited or not many people integrate with it or something. So so Coinbase, they don't, is it really your wallet? They, yeah, they do ahead. have a wallet under the hood. They just don't expose it for you. So the idea is like when you buy something, it does live in a wallet. It's just that it's a, it's a wallet that's managed by Coinbase. Um, but then to interact with a website, you need a more sort of public wallet, let's say. Um, and that's where something like a, a MetaMask, which is really popular, or Temple, mm. which is the equivalent in, in Tezos, comes in, where you can log into a website using this wallet, and then you can sort of do the purchase. So it's it's kind of like Apple Pay, where you log into Apple Pay using your Apple ID on your computer, but when you're on a website, you can just click to pay with Apple Pay. That That's a great analogy and makes lots of sense. So... You know, it does. It, it uh, admittedly, it did seem weird to me that I can have some Tezos in my Coinbase and then and have a FX hash account and be ready to buy it, but not be able to do it. The one I ended up using was called like Kukai or something, K U K A I, and so I send the money from Coinbase to the Kukai thing, and then I'm able to use that wallet to buy the NFT, and then it and then I, I own it, but I don't I don't super understand what that means you know like mm-hmm. I, I guess i have a profile and i can see it there that's where i i mean i'm sure i could learn i just kind of i was just like did it i did it i have it now that one's mine <laughs> and i kind of stopped i kind of stopped there 
but yeah, I have one from you from there. I'm, I'm, I'm tempting to buy Big Bang number one. I tell you, it seems like a good price. But I have another one from you. I'm not sure it's on your list or not. I didn't get all the way through it, but it's um, you did some other work. I think this was also one that you shared on on front end horse with gradients and them kind of morphing and moving around that I thought were just extraordinarily beautiful. And those, for for some reason, where that one lives in my musings with NFTs is on one called Object, O-B-J-K-T dot com. Um, yes. I don't know why I have to look at it on that one, but that's where that's where this one that I own of yours is. What's the scoop there? The the reason for that is FX Hash is entirely like generative uh, systems that create unique images. Uh, and then there are other platforms like like object.com, which is for, you can upload uh, images and videos. And the, the gradient one was a video. So that's why it sort of lives there. And I, can't I see it could live on, on FX Ash. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, unless I could could sort of like figure out a way to render it in Canvas or something, then then it could. But because it was a, uh, generated in like a, a machine learning software, I only have mm-hmm. a, a video output. So so that's why it lives on object.com. Mm-hmm. But I still use Tezos to buy it. So you still cool. use Tezos. So so the the thing is like beh- behind the scenes, you can create um, uh, galleries to to view all of your N- NFTs from different platforms. Uh, so it will show you everything you own across the board. And uh, there's stuff like uh, tryshowtime.com, where if you connect your wallet, it will pull in everything that you have from uh, from the different different platforms and show you in one place. So that's that's one way to do it. Uh, there's a bunch of other sort of gallery services where you can create a website that that showcases everything for you. And then you can even curate what you want to, to display there and like high, feature certain things, kind of like creating your own, on, on, on your own website with like blog posts where mm. some blog posts might be featured and then they have like an archive with everything else. Yeah. Yeah, I see another one here, Showtime.io. That kind of—that's where you can see that you have a profile there that shows ones that you've owned and created and stuff, and it's a pretty nice experience. Yeah, exactly. So you can sh- do both. You can show everything you've created. You can show everything you've owned, and you can filter by what is the stuff that I have from FX Hash. What is the stuff I have from uh, Object.com or any other platform? Yeah, cool. Um, we're getting on in time, but I am curious, like just to, just to finally, it's impossible at this early stage to have a conversation about this without addressing some of the other, I mean, we talked about the environmental impact and stuff, but there's some people that are just so opposed to this, um, entirely that I feel like make pretty strong points that like, maybe this is great that artists like you are, are getting paid in for work in a way that, you know, everybody kind of agrees with that. Like the legit artists that are making money on it, that's pretty rad. But there's other people that feel like this this world is so full of you know a word that's often used as grifting and 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 theft and that the fact that cryptocurrency is involved at all is just a scourge on the earth and and whatever. I just I just would love to hear just weigh in a minute on that and how you feel about this whole ecosystem. Yeah, I actually agree with a lot of that criticism. Um, what attracted me to this initially was the fact that suddenly. A lot of these generative artists that I followed for over a decade, I could I could support them. Um, in in some ways, it's it's a lot like Patreon, where you know you're you're paying to support your a creator that you like, and you get some reward in back in return. So the the ownership aspect is less important for me. I don't really care about the fact that I own an NFT by a particular artist. It's great, like 
I'm able to support them. That's the primary goal for me. Um, so it doesn't really need to be crypto backed. I, there is no reason for that. It can be done in many other ways. It, the, a lot of these artists could have had a had a Patreon account and could have supported through that. I, I think what just happened is there was a bit of a sort of a cultural momentum around these platforms, which just happened to be crypto backed, and that became a popular way to to support artists, at least within the generative community. But there's a lot more to NFTs outside of that. Um, I'm I follow a lot of sports and tons of sports now do nfts for like like soccer or for for nba and things like that and there's definitely an aspect of grift there uh the, the there's sort of the uh the the image based nfts like the, the board a club and things like that which i don't totally understand and i think that is a market that's driven by hype a lot and i, I think that that can ca- catch out people quite easily it's kind of like investing in stocks where you don't necessarily follow the companies and you can you can lose money really easily and I, I think there's there's definitely very valid criticism that's happening for nfts and and I think that's important because there there's a sort of a kernel here that allows us to support art and that's that's really cool but I think we also need to be sort of careful around how are we enabling that is it is it being done in a way where in the short term it seems really cool but a bunch of people will get taken advantage of or ignoring sort of the even the, the the environmental impact of it so i think that the, the critique is certainly certainly valid thanks for sharing your thoughts there i really appreciate it Vern. thanks for joining me on code pen radio i hope we get to chat again i really appreciate it yeah thank you for having me sure sure yeah take care Zero, three, one, eight.